0: Our passage today is found in Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. It's a passage of uh, Jesus' calling of the first disciples, Simon Peter and James and John. And so you're free to follow along in the Bibles in your seats, or it'll be up on the screen as well. So this is Luke 5. Let's, uh, let's read it, uh, listen to it as we read it together. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, He was standing in the lake of Genesaret, which is also known as Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats by the lake, uh, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled with both with uh, both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it he fell down at Jesus' feet saying depart from me for I am a sinful man O Lord. Let's pray a moment as we go into God's word and reflect together, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your spirit to open our minds and our hearts to your truth. These words that you chose to be written, these words that come from you are meant for us. And so we pray, Lord, that you speak to us. We pray this in your name amen you know there's something about the unknown we kind of talked about it with the kids there's something about the unknown that just causes us to freeze and not act for one of the children who are learning to swim it's the you know the deep end of the pool they're just kind of scared about it. they want to stay where they can like on the step they can touch I'm I think of my own kids when we were trained they were they could touch on the step and then they got bigger They could touch the shallow end, but boy, that deep end, even our grandkids, you know, one of them was still not learning and and they would watch uh, the others jumping in the pool and he wanted to be in the deep end, but it was just too scary. You know, the deep ocean is so uh, scary at times with what lies underneath that sometimes people just stay on shore and don't even go out in the ocean. I mean, those of us who've seen Jaws, we understand that why that is something we think about, Right. Well, life's that way too. Sometimes in life, it's a little scary. And so we, we find ourselves that we're just frozen in our situation, even though it's not the best thing for us. Maybe it's in a relationship that we're in and an abusive relationship at times. If, I, if you ever talk to someone in that, it's like as bad as it is, the unknown out there is almost scarier. Or maybe it's in a job situation you don't like, but, but the thought of trying to find something else or to step out into something different um, is too scary to to change anything and so we we find ourselves kind of paralyzed that we're hesitant about about acting or doing anything and living really in a very unsatisfying life because of the unknown well our spiritual life has a deep end as well it's a place uh, beyond our touch beyond our control uh, a place of the unknown it's a place where we have to put our faith or our trust in something or someone other than ourselves and that's what this passage is talking about today. Let me ask you: when's the last time that your faith had been challenged in a way that, that you had to step out without certainty of what was going to happen? When was the last time that you felt like Jesus was asking you to do something uh, or you knew the right thing to do, uh, but because of the security of what you had, you hesitated? Or maybe maybe chose not to. You're, are you a person that really enjoys rather living in the shallow end of life? Or are you a person that is open to the idea of stepping in and jumping into the deep? If that's where Jesus wants you to go and to follow him. And the same is true for a church. This isn't just as individuals. Even as a church sometimes. The question is when is the last time that you as a church maybe made a decision or, or chose to go a direction even though common sense Said it's a bad idea. And yet in your heart you felt, I think this is what Jesus wants us to do. And you acted on that as opposed to maybe something else that was going on. This passage is, is, uh, I mentioned is a calling of the first disciples. But it's not just a story about, oh, how the disciples came about. It's a calling to all of us. When we read this scripture, it's a calling to a deeper relationship. It's a calling to a deeper experience. It's a calling to a deeper life with Jesus. There are three truths that uh, I think I want to tell you up front, even as we get into this, uh, about Jesus when we're thinking about these kind of stories. The first one is this. uh, Everything um, Jesus does is always personal. If you look through the Gospels, in fact, this is the beginning in in Luke where you hear some stories about Jesus and then you start with a calling and then every story after that is a personal encounter with Jesus. Jesus doesn't act in generalities. He's always meeting us where we're at and he always comes where that. You look at stories later in the chapter, he he meets a a person who's got a leper and he meets a paralytic and, and in every one of those, there's an interaction. You don't have to be holier or better. You don't have to get your life together before you see or meet Jesus. Jesus will meet you wherever you're at. Whatever your struggle is, the confidence is saying, even in that moment, Jesus will come to me. I don't have to go to him. He'll come to me. It's very personal throughout. If you look at any of the gospel messages, it's always personal. Secondly, Jesus always invites. He never demands. I mean, this is Jesus. Jesus. He certainly has the right to demand. And yet when you hear the stories of Jesus, he always acts in a way where he invites us into something. He allows us to, the option of still making a choice. Now, I understand Reformed theology and you know, God is in control, but he acts by inviting us. And we have that opportunity to respond or not respond in those situations that he has. So there's always an invitation. And the third truth is that faith is always required. Required. Jesus doesn't call us to a mediocre life. He doesn't call us to an average grades or average work or average anything else. He doesn't call us to do whatever you do within your own strength. I mean, you know you. Do do whatever, whatever's good for you. He doesn't call us to build a castle or a church so we can sit inside of it and never engage. He's always leading us beyond our abilities our own strength to where faith is required in every situation. So with those truths in mind, I wanna highlight three benefits that kind of come out of this passage as I see it. First of all, we see in this Jesus invitation is that it's a personal invitation to a deeper confidence. Up until now, Peter was very confident in himself. I mean, he's a fisherman, this is his trade. He spent all night fishing though, and which is the best time to fish, any fisherman knows. I can go to one and I say, hey, well, let's go fishing, you know, two in the afternoon. He's like, well, nobody's, that's a terrible, terrible time to fish. For them, fishing at night was when they went fishing. So in the morning, they pretty much came in because, hey, the day's done. And they're in there and, and as much as he's confident himself, he's exhausted. And his confidence is maxed out because he's done there cleaning his nets, fixing his nets, knowing that he's going to go home to his family and say, nothing. Didn't get anything today. Just a lot of time wasted. And so well, the one thing he's confident is that self came up empty. But he is confident in himself. And so Jesus comes here and is, invites him into a deeper confidence. In the deeper confidence of who he has that trust in. Entertains us. So Jesus asked Peter to trust him. He says, put out into the deep. Now you can imagine. I mean, anybody. You can imagine Peter's thought process in that. Okay. I'm the fisherman here. I know when it's a good time to fish. That is a crazy idea. I just cleaned my nets. We have to do that every time. Now I'm going to have to do it again. It doesn't make any kind of sense at all from his perspective. Now, if you look at the chapter before, there are some stories of Jesus healing. And in fact, even Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law from a fever. I mean, let's be honest though. Fevers go away all the time. Could have been Timing. You know yeah yeah maybe you know that's like when i see someone's sick and i say we pray for them and and then they get better and it's like ooh, okay you know lots of people get better prayer prayer works jesus maybe was involved but it wasn't really some big moment necessarily and so but in the story here it, uh, peter says that it's something about jesus's words that moved people to obey he called a master which indicates this idea that there's authority and there's wisdom in jesus and so he gave him that respect do to him, and it says even in the passage says, because you said, I'm willing to go out, and he even says, hey, it's not going to work, but hey, I'm willing to obey you out of respect for who you are. Maybe you're in a situation where you really don't have experience, um, with personal experience that really indicates how you can trust Jesus. Like you know, you're standing on the ledge ready to jump, but I don't know if Jesus can catch me because I've never experienced it. But you can be like Peter and says, but I I know the words that tell us he can catch me. I maybe know the stories of others that tell me that he has a capability of catching me or or that he can do what he says he could do. And so Peter responds by saying, yeah, okay. For no other reason, I'll go out and do it." it. The thing is, it may not make sense, which makes sense when you're obeying Jesus. Jesus doesn't act in a way that always makes sense. The other thing about what he invites in this deeper confidence is it happens when we're asked to go beyond our ability. The Christian life is not a life of finding a comfort zone and resting. As I mentioned before, Jesus doesn't call us to a mediocre life. As I said, faith is required and faith is only valuable if it's used beyond our ability. It's not faith if I don't, you know, I could do it anyway. We can say it is, but it's not. And so a lot of times what Jesus will ask us will go beyond our ability, which again does not make sense or makes us have to pause because we can't see it. I don't know if he'll do it. I've never experienced him doing it. So how do I know that I will do it? The thing is confidence in self here is kind of a faith killer. And I think that's the thing that Peter is learning here as well. When he's acting in his own, when the rational thinking tells him that no, nah, it's not going to work, or no, that won't work, and so I'm going to hold back because rationally it doesn't make sense. We've just eliminated faith from our decision process. If Peter, imagine Peter, if he just say, you know what, hey, I'm the fisherman here, it's not going to work, and it kill any kind of option of stepping out in faith and just trusting. The difference is the who. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to, this deeper confidence in him because of who he is. He's inviting us to trust him instead of yourself, instead of myself. He's a creator of the universe. All power and authority is given to him. Something about this fish, clearly for Peter, was like, okay, this this isn't a fluke. This isn't like suddenly all these fish showed up. This is all Jesus and he sees it in that moment. So what is hurting you in your life or what is causing your life that you are afraid of letting go? Is it a bad relationship, bad habit, bad lifestyle? Is there a situation uh, that feels safe, but in it you're really missing out on Jesus? Remember, Jesus does not call us to the shallow end of our life. He calls us to the deep end, to places where we can't touch, can't control, where we have to, we can't do in our own strength. We have to depend on something else. We have to depend on him. And when we do, from this story, that's where the adventure really begins. And so it's a, it's a deeper confidence. Second uh, benefit that I see coming out of is, is a personal invitation to a deeper intimacy. Look at verses 7 through 10. As you're going back through what took place, these, these disciples, what were going to be disciples, these fishermen, went from exhausted and discouraged to overwhelmed. And in fact, it describes them astonished reaction just in a short period of time in this uh response of obedience it radically changed the level of intimacy they had between themselves and jesus jesus wasn't just someone they heard about out in the village jesus is with them and jesus did this and i experienced this and it changed everything for them this intimacy that they're experiencing with jesus brought about a physical blessing to them Talk about a pick me up with these guys being about to go home and tell them nothing and nothing to pay taxes, nothing to pay, you know, or feed our family. All of this discouragement of we wasted a whole day to boat sinking with all the fish was a huge pick me up now don't get me wrong I'm not talking about prosperity gospel or anything like that that hey if you pray God's going to give you everything you need that's not what's going on here what's talking about is Jesus physical blessing was a healing to a spirit to a state of mind studies show that there's a health benefit when we live a faith-based life Dr. Dale Matthews in his book The Faith Factor says that Shows that a sincere, active, spiritual faith provides significant physical health benefits, protects against anxiety, decreases post-operative recovery time, helps patients cope with cancer, and mitigates against frequent illnesses. Following Jesus uh, heals, uh, builds up in healthy marriages, healthy families, healthy relationships. People who pray more heal faster, less stress, more peace. That's just part of walking with Jesus, what happens physically to our life, even in the midst of the struggles and the depth of the unknown that goes on around us. But maybe more important than that is this intimacy of Jesus brings a a spiritual blessing or a healing. Peter saw Jesus in a much different way as we see in this story. He shifted from calling him master, uh, which was more of a uh, respect for intellectual wisdom, to Lord, which was a spiritual honor of him and authority that he had spiritually. And they, as I said, were astonished, which literally means that they were rendered immovable. In other words, they were in shock about what happened. When we get closer to Jesus or we have these encounters with Jesus, it affects us and changes us where we become more honest. There's a more honesty that happens within our life When we're exposed to that. and For Peter the response here is he fell on his knees. He said I'm a sinful man. I mean it's an odd reaction when you think about it. And yet in knowing who. Realizing who Jesus was. The response was an awareness of his own sin. And what happens when Jesus is in our life. And as we encounter him. There is a uh, a reaction. First of all. At least it should be. To ourselves. An awareness about us. I have uh, had a situation going on and someone's posting stuff or had been posting stuff that not directly related to us as pastors, but saying things that are really not very truthful. And I was like, um, man, I need to say something. I want to post something like, well, what about this? Why don't you tell me about this? You know, all these kind of things were going through my head because I do like to fight an argument if I can. And, uh, and then, of course, we're preaching through Luke right now. So the next that Sunday, love your enemies. Great. Thanks, God. Yeah. Couldn't have done that like two weeks later after I posted or something. Point being is that while I had the right to argue and I could have defended and said all these things, as I'm reading even the passage, I'm hearing Love Your Enemies, where you don't, you know, turn the other cheek. You don't have to react. Really, what it realized me as I'm wrestling with this is, what is it saying about me? Why do I feel like justice? I have to say something. Why? What the point am I making this? Instead of so, my first reaction, or not my first reaction, what Jesus finally pointed out to me in that process was, Mark, there are things that you need to look at about whether it's necessary or why you do. What's your motive? Why you do what you do? And I think that's what happens as we move into a deeper intimacy with Jesus that he begins to expose us things. John 1, 5 says, the light shines into darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus is that light, reference to him, that he exposes these dark areas of our life as we go into this intimacy. And in doing that, it, it's part of that transformation that takes place in our life when we follow Jesus, he shows us the areas of our life that need to change and how we need to be transformed. Holy Spirit is at work building us up. The, the, the enemy, Satan is in there trying to tear us down when he shows our weakness. The Holy Spirit is there trying to build us up. And that's what's happening through this intimacy. And that's where the experience and the counter, like, like the story with the, uh, which by the way, Dad, you know, thanks for helping. I should have said that earlier. But um, it was an easy request. I know in your eyes are like, uh-oh. But, um, the, the ability to, to take a leap um, is easier when we know the person we're leaping into. When we can trust the person that we're leaping into. And I think that's what happens in this intimacy is, is, and, and Jesus exposes these areas in our life and as we're being changed, the level of the love and intimacy makes it easier when other things come because we know it who it is. That we're jumping into the deep end with well there's a third one here the idea well, you don't have a clock up here do you oh well that's okay you guys aren't keeping track of time are you uh the third thing is uh following here is a personal invitation to a deeper purpose at the end there verse uh, 10 11 it said jesus said to simon don't be afraid for now i am your fish for me- people.'" So they pulled up their boats to shore with everything uh, left everything and followed him. You know Jesus, or Peter shoved out with one thing in mind, fish. He came back in with one thing in mind, that was Jesus. There's a radical change in his priority and his purpose in life. First of all, there's an immediate change of lifestyle that takes place for Peter, His goals, his ambitions, all of that, things he was going to do, they just were, they were meaningless now. He wasn't even thinking about that. In fact, his reaction was more of a feeling of unqualified in saying that, look at Jesus, get away from me, I'm a sinner. And everything was seen differently. He was making himself, um, humbling himself to Jesus. Luke 9, 23 says, if anyone comes to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's really an act of dying to ourselves, our ambitions, our prides, our desires. Uh, everything um, that keeps us from Jesus, we got to let go of. We've we got to be willing to give up everything if Jesus requires it. Remember, it's a matter of, of who we have our confidence in. Like Peter, it's like all that stuff became immediately meaningless, and now it was about Jesus. When we think we're giving something up, in fact, what we're doing is we're opening up to something better because that's what Jesus is offering, something better. And so maybe it's an unhealthy relationship or maybe it's an unhealthy situation or a tough choice you got to make, but the reality is, as scary as that seems, the belief is Jesus is asking you to do it that what he has is far greater and far better. And while you might feel disqualified or unable to or unworthy to, That's what qualifies you. For Peter's, in Peter's situation, his humility in that moment is what made him usable. And so when we follow Jesus, we have to be all in, people. We have to be all in. Our response, like Peter's, is is to say it all belongs to you. Whatever you have, my time, my talents, my treasures, whatever it is, it all belongs to you. And before you respond like yeah but what about my dreams my ambitions i remember back in the day when i was in real estate i was gonna retire at 40 look at me now that didn't happen was it worse than what i was thinking no it was better imagine what peter would have happened if peter said no gave up his his ambitions to follow jesus and look what happened for him and so the question really in there is are you living your best purpose for Jesus, is your life uh, what what His plan is for you? And if it isn't, you're missing out. Maybe it is scary to take that step, particularly if you feel like you don't have that personal intimacy yet with Him. But maybe that's why God made uh, tithing an, the only thing that He said, "Test me on this." So, you know, for society, money is the god; it is the power. It is the control. We ourselves use it to define what our life will be like based on our money. And God maybe is saying, look it, trust me. The only area I said, test me on this. You put me first and you give and you don't see if I don't provide. Kind of like Peter said, trust me. It doesn't make sense to you. You do what I ask you to do and you see if I don't provide. And God has given us one place to give us. That's the one moment maybe he said, experience me here. And then it's gonna be easier in all these other things that we might have. What are the things that keep you from the life that you are called to live? You know, there's two things to remember as I'm closing up. There's two things to remember when we're reading the gospels or reading the Bible, really. But anyway, the story is never about the story, it's always about Jesus. It's not this story, isn't about the calling of disciples, it's about Jesus. And every story about Jesus offers an invitation to respond. There's always a response, an opportunity there. So how are you going to respond to this story? Maybe you're in a situation that doesn't make sense. I mean, you guys have been around. You guys are the ones that called me to thank you very much to Tracy uh, when I planted a church over there. Honestly, I was a real estate agent. It didn't make sense. For years, it didn't make sense. And look where I am now. Not anything I've done. I'm still in ministry doing stuff. And I'm still shocked that I even come up here and, and talk. But what an adventure. Our church is doing a uh, building fund and uh, we're raising a building and it started before COVID and then it shut down during COVID and then it's continuing on. And we just did a fundraising thing. And, and as an executive pastor, number of people say, this is a terrible time to build a building. I say, you're right. We aren't meeting our budget right now. So you're right. It's a terrible time. But that's not the decision. That's not the deciding factor. Now, God might use that to help influence what our decision is. The reality is through deep prayer and wrestling with as leaders and conversations and seeing the need. I mean, I see the need to your kids up here. But to see the need and hearing from the community. The city is asking us to build. The schools are asking us for all the things that we can bring into the community. We're hearing non-Christian people saying, I think it's a great idea for the programs that we have offered and what we're trying to do. God is validating the fact that you don't worry about that. You know I said to one of the builders I said, "Hey, when price of wood went up, it can go down too, or God can raise up money to do it." We you know, that's not the issue. It's praying about what is God asking us to do and then following him to the letter of whatever that might be. I mean, let's be honest, when does following Jesus make sense? What I do know is it challenges us to put more confidence in him. It gives us an opportunity for deeper intimacy with him in those situations. And the adventure, trust me, is worth it when we do follow him. Again, I'd say, imagine if Peter chose to stay in the shallow end and say no to Jesus. Jesus would have found more disciples. That wasn't the problem think what a Peter would have missed out on. What's the shallow end of your life? What is the area of your life in a relationship or job or decisions or habits or, or areas where you're trying to control it where Jesus is saying, you need to let go of that. You need to trust me. You need to follow me into the deep end because I got some plans for you that it's gonna be awesome. But in order to go there, you gotta give this up. Or as a church, what has God been laying on your heart as a church sometimes where you're saying, that's going to be a lot of work. And yet, Jesus is saying, but that, that's the right thing to do. Let me tell you about a guy named uh, Rob. I didn't put it in my notes, and so I got my own watch to see the time. We can make it. You guys can handle it. Rob's a, man, uh, he's a Christian in, in our church, um, probably five years God's been doing amazing things with him. He's very outreach-oriented. He's come from a very difficult, troubled life uh, situation, but very evangelistic. He's our connection coordinator guy. We, we use him now, and uh, he's, he's uh, definitely into the homeless stuff. And so anyway, Rob is, uh, Rob's been working in the showers for a homeless thing we have at a Salvation Army. He, they help build these showers, and so he volunteers there. And uh, Rob also helps a lot of people that are checking out the church or people that are struggling and homeless. And he helped his family uh, a while back uh, uh, trying to get, uh, you know, situation, get him into home and, and uh, did and stuff. So um, uh, he's working, he's over at the shower and he's fixing something with a screwdriver. Guy is on a chain link fence. And, hey, can I borrow your screwdriver? He said, I don't loan out my tools, but I'll come over and help. He's that kind of guy. He, Rob will just say, hey, let's, let me go and, uh, over there. So he's going over The guy's putting a tag on his car because he sleeps on his car. And and Rob, as he always does, say, tell me your story. What's your story? Yeah, I've been homeless for a number of years. He tells this whole story. Very difficult story. I mean, it's, you know, uh, left at a doorstep, you know, all this kind of stuff uh, when he was a child. Uh, And he says, yeah, and um, I'm over in this area, you know, where I sleep. And there's this family, this couple that I met or I talked to. And they said, you know what you need to do? You need to go to Gateway Church and meet Rob. And uh, because he's going to help you out. And so my Rob goes, I'm Rob. I mean, isn't that, you know, he never came to church right away. And so God brought Rob to him through some unique way. And that's part of the adventure of just being obedient, stepping out and giving space to say, I'm going to follow into this and see what God does. I mean, that's, you know, when you think of the stories, it's like, that's like, man, what a God thing. Because he was like, and I should finish the story. Two weeks later, we did... Uh, the 29th, we baptized 33 people. Three of them were covenant baptisms. And this guy, Howard is the name, was one of them. I mean, he's not a member of our church yet. And we can argue whether that's, you know, tight. He's part of the bigger Church because he accepted Christ and had accepted Christ. Rob didn't do that. But in the conversation, he wanted it because I want to be baptized. I've never been baptized. And uh, so we baptized him and he was interacting and stuff. But again, it's just a adventure of what God does and to be open to that. You know, as much as it can be scary and all of that, there's only one reason to go. It's because Jesus invites us to follow him. And if you're tired of limiting yourself, um, doing only what's in your control, give it up. Trust in Jesus. Follow him into the deep and see what he does. Maybe it's time to follow Jesus into the deep. It isn't gonna make sense, but it is astonishing. These brand new disciples were in for a ride of their life. If you put your confidence in Jesus, I can tell you, hold on to the adventure. It's a wild and beautiful ride. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Thank you for this story. Just one of many examples of the reminder of what it's like um, to have an encounter with you. And when we step out in faith and obey, all that you do is seen. All that who you are is seen. Help us to put our confidence in you, not in ourselves. In those moments where we are strengthened trusting in our own strength and ability. Help us to be reminded to look to you out of faith and trust you. Help us to have a deeper intimacy with you as well, Lord, to be able to to encounter and have those experiences that help shore up our belief and trust in you so that we can leap from the ledge because we know you'll catch us. We know you'll lead us and guide us. We know you have great plans um, that you want us to be a part of. And with that, Lord, help us to find a purpose in the life, the full life that you have for us. To look beyond the small plans we might have and in the place that we're in, because you meet us where we are, to begin the adventure of following you. We thank you, Lord, for the assurance that we have that you are there leading and guiding us into the deep and we are perfectly safe with you and so we pray all this lord in your name amen